Hallelujah. If you could stand to your feet today for the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testifies in a certain place saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? Are the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he has put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just pray today that your word would go forth and that it would minister hope and healing. Father, deliverance, Lord God. Open our eyes to see. Help us to understand. And I pray that every one of us today would see you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So we're doing part two, um, our final part of a two-part series, We See Jesus. And uh, so how many of you from last week took me up on my challenge to rise early in the morning and spend some time with the Lord? Put your hand up. If you got up earlier, nobody, oh my God. Did anybody get up early this week to seek the Lord in prayer? Amen? Hallelujah. Well, you know, this is so important. And in many ways, I think this explains, you know, why we're not seeing the move of God that we so desire in our generation. Because, you know, it starts with prayer. It starts with the secret place. Amen? He who dwells in the secret place. So, again, uh, it's so important for us if we truly want to see Jesus, if, if our objective is to truly see Jesus Christ, we have a part to play in making ourselves available to him. Because, you know, you can only get to know somebody if you're willing to spend time with them. And, you know, this is why many times we complain, Lord, I, I don't hear your voice, etc. But, you know, again, it's only as we spend time with him that we will learn to become sensitive to the voice of God. And, you know, to be quite honest, we all need more face time and less screen time. You know, the average amount of time that people spend um, online, uh, worldwide, uh, in 2020 was 145 minutes. That's over, that just under two and a half hours. And you know, that's not including TV. And so that's every day, uh, people spending either on a phone or a, a laptop or a, a, a tablet, um, it, you know, two and a half hours every day. And yet, so many times, we, we barely give God minutes if we give him anything at all. Amen? And, and again, you may respond by saying, Pastor, but what do you mean by FaceTime? Well, uh, I'm not talking about uh, your iPhone. Um, really, Exodus 33 and verse 11 says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks 
to a friend. And so, again, if under what was an inferior covenant, God wanted face-to-face encounters with his children, um, how much more today can we expect these encounters in our lives when we are under a new and a better covenant? You know, Hebrews 8 and and verse 6 says, but now he's obtained a more excellent ministry uh, by how much more he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. And again, any of you who have read through the Old Testament uh, can recognize that, you know, what they had was good. I mean, what Moses walked in was good. And, you know, God's glory, the pillar of fire, the the cloud by night, etc. You know, God's miraculous provision, the manna, the deliverance, the, uh, you look at the, uh, in in the Old Testament, you know, the the, the breakthroughs, the, you know, uh, splitting the Red Sea, you know, causing the sun to stand still, you know, God did some glorious people, glorious things for his people in the Old Testament, and yet the Bible says we have a new, we have a better covenant than what they had. And so, again, God hasn't changed. Malachi 3.6, I the Lord do not change. And he wants us to see his face and to hear his voice. You know, Psalm 103 verse 7 said, he made known his ways uh, to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. And in many respects, this explains, you know, two different levels of, of walking with God. Because, you know, one level is simply seeing his acts. You know, you have a problem, you come to God, he answers your problem, that's, that's good and, and well. But there's a much deeper level that God wants us to, to the point where we don't just know him on the level of his acts, but we know him on the level of his ways. Amen. Um, my wife is acquainted with my ways because for the the last 22 years. This, this Tuesday, 22 years, we've been married, you know. Praise the Lord. That'd be a good place to say thank you, Jesus. And, um, but you know, she knows my ways. And so uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to try and become acquainted with hers, but it's, it's, it's not as easy. Um, uh, uh, but you know, as men, we do our best. Amen. And so again, uh, he made known his ways to Moses. And so his intentions for his people haven't changed. He still wants us to see him, to know him. And uh, Hebrews 2 verse 9, but we see Jesus. Amen. How many of you today say, you know what? I want to see Jesus. I want to see him in my life. I want to know him. I want to go beyond where I've been because for many of us, we get to a certain point where we're comfortable and, and you know, many Christians never go beyond that point, but I believe God wants to bring us deeper and I believe this message can play a small part in that. And so firstly, we see him as we seek him. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 2. And verse 23, and um, uh, it's the story of Simeon. He's not somebody we concentrate too much, really. He's, he's really just a kind of a, a, a side figure, so to speak, when we look in the New Testament, because um, you think of, of, of Peter and his shadow healing people. We think of Paul, you know, being used by God to write the New Testament, you know, uh, uh, all the amazing things God did. Um, uh, and, and yet, we look at this man, Simeon. He's important because it says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so Simeon didn't write any books, he didn't, you know, accomplish some, some great works or uh, any of these things, he didn't uh, found any churches that we, we know of, and yet uh, Simeon desired to see the Messiah, he desired to see Christ, and it says, 
So he came by the Spirit into the temple. This is a day where we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be doing things in the Spirit and not in the flesh because there's a big difference between good and God. Too many times we're doing good things and neglecting the God things, but to do that, we need to be led by the Spirit. And so when the parents brought the child Jesus to do from according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people a life to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel so he said my eyes have seen your salvation you know Simeon was seeking Jesus and once he saw him he was satisfied could we say that about ourselves? So many times we're, we're always dissatisfied because we're always looking for the next thing. God answers one prayer and next week we just present our next request and we go from one uh, need to another. But Simeon was different. He, 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 he wasn't focused on what God could do for him. He was focused on seeing Jesus. He wanted to know him. And so the culmination, the very culmination of his life and ministry was to simply encounter the Messiah um, even if only as a baby and he could see with the eyes of faith who Christ was and what he would do as God's sin-bearing uh, Messiah amen and so think about it he wasn't there to impress anybody uh, he didn't aspire to wealth or fame he wasn't there to promote himself like Zacchaeus he simply wanted to see Jesus he wanted to see God's sin-bearing Savior, amen? And so, because of this, he was willing to wait on God, and because he was willing to wait on God, he was granted an opportunity to meet the Messiah before he died. Firstly, we see him as we seek him. Secondly, we see him as we study him. Hebrews chapter uh, 1 and verse 1. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1 and verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has uh, appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So the Bible says, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. God has spoken. Have you taken the time to listen? You know, to wait in his presence. Numbers 21.9 in the Amplified says, And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a certain had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with his steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Amen? And so, I, I love the way the Amplified put that because it wasn't just a glance at the brazen serpent. It says that whoever looked at the, at the, at the brazen serpent, it says, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. And may I simply suggest, most people don't come to church like that. Most people don't come, you know, expecting to receive from God, expecting to hear from God. So many times we're distracted. Uh, we may be sitting there, but our mind is a million miles away. And, and you know, here it says that when they were looking with a, a, a ten, attention, giving God attention expectantly with a steady and absorbing gaze, are you looking to Jesus Christ like that? Have you given God your full attention? 
Amen? Because I believe this is a day where we need to look to Christ because it's good to, it's good to pray, but don't stop there. We must study. We must apply ourselves to learn. We must look on to Jesus like the Bible says in Hebrews 12. He, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It says, learn of me. And, you know, I, I believe this is why we need to drop RTE or BBC or CNN because uh, much of what passes for journalism today uh, simply constitutes either blatant lies or propaganda. I, I believe this is a day where the church, we need to come back to reading the Bible again and getting on our knees again. And, and hearing from heaven again, as opposed to sitting and just ingesting a, a, a opinion from many people who, in many instances, do not fear God. Learn from me, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Learn from me. Have you taken time to study Jesus? And you may, you may respond by, by study God. How, how, how dare you? No, listen, God desires to be known. He desires to reveal himself to us more deeply. And in order for us to know him, amen, we must become readers of the Bible because this is his book, amen. You, you must become a reader of the Bible, amen. And, and you know, the, the reality is many Christians are not readers of the Bible. You're scrollers of your phone. Fact is, I mean, it, it, I, it, it's an indictment of our society. People, in many respects, don't read anymore. They don't have the attention span, you know? And so, I, again, it's so important for us to read the Bible, amen? So, again, uh, we, we must study the Bible. And again, I would simply say to, you know, a lot of people say study the epistles, but I think you need to study the Gospels as well. Because as you study the Gospels, you will get an up-close and personal um, account of Christ and his ministry to the broken multitudes. Because again, we see Jesus revealed as we read the Bible. John 14 and 9 in the New Living, Jesus replied, Have I been with you this long, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And this is why we should read the Gospels. Amen? Don't dismiss them as just, you know, a narrative or an account of of, of his life. No. If you want to see Jesus, you need to read the Gospels as well as the epistles. So again, hands up. How many of you regularly read your Bible? And, and again, praise the Lord. Okay, well, you're the right crowd. You need to hear this. Amen? What's the story today? You're so quiet. Were you all up partying last night or something? I don't know, but my God, it's like I've been transported into Presbyterian church or something. I'm expecting the elders to come up and drag me out. Uh, it's, it's okay. Just, just, just blink at me every now and then and say amen. amen. Okay? So, but anyway, how many of you regularly read your Bible? Okay, well, the, the, hallelujah, the rest of you know your homework for the rest of the week, okay? So, anyway, this is important. So, uh, I mean read your Bible, and, and I don't mean carry it into church on a Sunday to keep the pastor off your back and put it into the car where it will sit for the rest of the week. No, we need to read it. We need to study it, amen? And um, so, anyway, we need to be as diligent in reading as we are in eating, sleeping, showering, or exercise. And some of you are very diligent in eating. 
or exercise. Okay, whichever you want to pick. But, you know, the, the reality is we need to be as diligent in, in reading the word of God. Amen? So we need to exercise ourselves towards godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 7, But have nothing to do with irreverent folklore and silly myths. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. The King James, but reject profane and old wife wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Exercise thyself. Some of you just heard a word from God right there. Man, tough crowd this morning. (laughs) Exercise thyself, amen? You need to look after your body. If you want to be in this for the long run, you need to look after your body. You need to exercise, okay? You need to eat well. You need to get rest. This is important, amen? But God reveals himself in the Bible, and this is why the moment you pick up your Bible, all of hell will try to hinder you from reading it because the Bible is the key to a changed life. And this is why we have many people in churches who don't have changed lives because they've said the prayer, they've had, you know, everyone in their auntie pray for them, and still not Nothing is changing in their lives because they don't read the Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what will renew your mind, the Word of God, amen? So again, this is, it's, this is important. So the moment you pick up this book, all of hell will mobilize to distract or to disturb you because we see Jesus in his word because as, just as Christ is one with his church, he is one with his word. John 1 and verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and that life was the life of men. You see, Christ is the word made flesh. John 1 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us John 10 10 Satan comes to rob to kill to destroy I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly see Jesus didn't come for you to have religion he came for you to have reality amen and the Bible contains the blessed reality that God has for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. And so it's only as we read the Bible, it's only as we study this book that we'll begin to discover the plan that God has for us. You see, your life will be changed if only you will make time to read this book, to study this book, because no matter what your challenge or trial may be, the answer is contained in the Bible. That's why I'd encourage all of you to go through our Bible school. It's free and it's online, so you've no excuse. I mean, you know, we have people as far away as the UK who are tuning into our Zooms every week to the Bible, to the Bible school, and you know, I, I believe it will bless your life. And um, so again, 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, and it says, uh, study to show yourself approved. Uh, be diligent to present yourself, approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The only way you will rightly divide the word of truth is by studying the word of truth. And the Bible is that word of truth. Um, uh, 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 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, you're not equipped for life if you don't know what the word of God says because all scripture is inspired by God and reveals God to us. Psalm 119 and verse 18 says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You see, study the gospels and witness Christ in his uh, ministry. You know, if you will study the Gospels, like I said, you know, you will see his, his miracles, uh, his, his mercy, and, and, you know, his, 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 uh, his, 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 you know, Christ's ministry to, to people because, like I said, when we look at the Bible, we see Jesus, and when we see Jesus, we see God. Amen? And so you can't understand what God is like without looking at Jesus. And you know, when you go beyond that, you study the book of Acts, you study the um, uh, epistles, you know, you'll see him in his church, you know, you study the book of Revelation, you, you'll see him in his awesome glory and power. You know, uh, Revelation eleven fifteen. 15, the, the seventh angel sounded and there was great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign for Forever and ever, amen. What, what a note of victory that sounds, amen. And particularly in these crazy times where so much is uncertain and, 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 and you know, there's so many uh, just dark things happening in our world, we must remind ourselves that he sits on the throne, he is in control, and you know what the Bible says, he shall reign forever and ever. You know, John 1 and verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Why was this? Well, I believe it's because he didn't come on a white horse at the head of a mighty army to confront and to confound the pagan Roman Empire. And, and so, because Jesus didn't come in the manner they expected, instead he came humble and meek, riding on a, on a donkey. You know, Christ was in the temple as a baby, and they didn't recognize him. He cleansed the lepers, he cast out devils, but still they didn't acknowledge him. You know, he even walked in water and fed the multitudes, but still they didn't see or embrace him as savior, amen? And so uh, it was Matthew Henry who said, none so deaf as those who will not hear, none so blind as those who will not see. And I think it's important for us to understand that we can fall into the very same trap because, again, while the Sadducees were the liberals of the day, the Pharisees were the orthodox ones. They were the ones who walked in the fear of God. They were the ones who loved the scriptures. And yet, they loved the scriptures but rejected the Savior. And so, again, I think we must uh, uh, you know, approach God in, in humility and recognize the importance of, of studying his word in the fear of God. And so, uh, you know, Christ stood before Pilate and, and Pilate ignored him or rejected him because Christ didn't fit within the Roman understanding of what constituted greatness and glory. And so he, he dismissed Christ as unfortunate collateral damage in the power play with the, with the Pharisees. Um, you, you could even say that his friends and disciples didn't really even see him for who he truly was because sometimes the truth can lie right in front of your face and yet you don't see it. I mean, we see this evidence in Matthew chapter 2 where it says that Herod came to the, um, to the Pharisees and um, it says he was troubled when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born and so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel they knew the scripture but they did not know the savior 
This is why, again, uh, they were able to just quote it like that. I, I, I bet they, were just, they, they didn't even have to refer to it. They could just quote it. And yet, even though they could, they could um, like I said, uh, uh, they knew the scripture, they didn't know the Savior. And so this is why I believe it's so important that we drop any of our preconceived ideas about Jesus Christ, whether they originate from religion, culture, or tradition, and instead look to his word. Because if you want to know what Jesus Christ is like, you must look to his word. Because the Bible reveals Jesus. John 5, 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are the very scriptures that testify about me. The new living. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Can you sense Christ's exasperation with the Pharisees? Because he loved them. I know we've made them a euphemism for hypocrisy and, and, and you know, dead religion. But you know, many of these were God-fearing men. And many of these loved God. And, 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 and yet, because of their fixation with tradition. And because of they were looking at everything through the, the eyes of, 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 of tradition. Or, or, or the way that things were always were. They they, they were blind to who Christ was. And so Christ was saying, you love the scriptures, but these are the scriptures that are talking about me. And so, uh, again, Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what he said, um, what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So just listen to what it says there. Beginning at Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Acts 8.35. Then Philip began from this very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. It's amazing. Uh, bear in mind, the early church didn't have a New Testament. It was, it was only being written at that stage. So again, both Christ and Philip the evangelist preached the gospel from these Old Testament passages. Christ uh, preached from the first first five books of, of uh, Moses, uh, the Pentateuch, or what the Jews refer to as their Torah, and the prophets. So again, the Old Testament prophets and, and, uh, and the Torah, Jesus preached the gospel from that, and Philip preached the gospel from the book of Isaiah, because the, the, um, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, uh, was reading Isaiah 53. So uh, again, this is why we see that, um, you know, the Bible is, it's all eternal truth. Uh, both Old and New Testament, it's God speaking to us. The Bible is inspired, it's inerrant, and it's the eternal word of God. 66 books, 40 authors, written over hundreds of years, and yet it's one book with one message of salvation, true faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Genesis to Revelation reveals how God sent Jesus Christ to save sinners through dying on the cross and through rising from the dead. And that's why if you will only study this book, your life will be changed. And I think it's sad I have to say this in church, but this is the reality. There are so many people who come to church, whether it's weekly or monthly or whatever, but who don't read the Bible. And that is why your life is not changing because until you do, nothing will change in your life. It doesn't matter how many people you get to pray for you. Amen? So firstly, we see him as we seek him. Secondly, we see him as we study him. And lastly, we see him as we serve him. 
Um, Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, we see here the story of Paul the Apostle's salvation. The Lord appeared to him. He saw a light on the road to Damascus. Verse 5, he said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Paul um, understood that he was called to serve God. And we read on further in verse 15 that God, um, it says, there was a man named Ananias, and he was praying. Uh, verse 12, in a vision, um, sorry, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Would you like to know God that well that all he has to do is call your name and you say, here I am, Lord. That you know God that well. I believe that's why Ananias was a man of prayer. I believe he knew the voice of God. I believe he was sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Lord spoke to him. He said, yes, Lord. And uh, so the Lord uh, goes on and says, in a vision, um, uh, there's a man named Saul of, of Tarsus. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him. And, and that's why a lot of times people say, well, if I don't do what God's called me to do, somebody else will do it. Well, um, in this case, that wasn't true because it had to be somebody called Ananias. I mean, it couldn't send somebody called Bob after giving him a vision and tell him Ananias is going to come. And so, again, I believe God has specific things for every one of us to do in this planet, amen? And, and, and if we don't do them, uh, they're not going to be done. And so, anyway, he said he's seen a man named Ananias uh, going in, laying hands on him, and, um, uh, to receive his sight. And verse 15, uh, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Uh, verse 15, Ananias, I'm getting all mixed up here, I'm sorry. Ananias answered, verse 13, Lord, I've heard from many men about this man and how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call in your name. And isn't that wonderful that Ananias tried to explain to God um, about the situation as if God didn't know. And, uh, but the Lord said to him, go, he is my chosen vessel to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying hands on him, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. What a powerful story. Ananias was sent by God to tell Saul that he had been chosen to serve him and to pray for the infilling of the Spirit to enable or to empower him for service. And so God calls on his faithful servant, Ananias, um, and yet, it appears to be a suicide mission because Paul had killed Christians, he had thrown them in jail, and so for him to go and uh, uh, pray for him seemed like you know, a poison chalice, but he obeys, you know why? Because he's a servant, he has a servant's heart. And you know, servants are privileged to see and hear things that others won't. Um, that's why, you know, Jesus' first miracle in John chapter 2, um, you know, Jesus said, uh, go fill the water pots with water. The servants did what uh, he told them, and he gave the wine, they gave the wine to the, uh, uh, to the people at the feast, and, uh, you know, he said, you've saved the best wine till, till now. And, 
you know, the interesting thing is in verse 9 of chapter 2 of John says, um, the servants knew. The, 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 the person who was over the feast or over the wedding um, uh, didn't know uh, that, that this had been originally water, but it says the servants knew. Because when you have a servant's heart, God will, will uh, let you in on things. He will speak to you, just like he spoke to Ananias. Amen. And um, so servants always obey God. And we see this in the life of Ananias. Even though it was risky, uh, he was risking his life to go to Saul, he obeyed God. And, and that's why God reveals his secrets to them. Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Amen. So God entrusted his servant Ananias to pray and baptize Paul. Think of the privilege that Ananias was given to be the one who baptized the person who's going to write half the New Testament that millions and millions and, and billions of believers down through the years are going to read and be inspired and helped by uh, and, and obviously saved through these scriptures. This, this was, you know, Paul had a ministry that's been unsurpassed uh, by any and yet God uses this unknown disciple called Ananias to lead him, to, to pray for him, to receive his sight, to pray for him to, and, and to baptize him. And uh, I believe it's because he had a servant's heart. And so um, Paul was called to serve him as a chosen vessel. We see this in Galatians chapter uh, 1 and verse 11. Um, but it says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God revealed himself personally to Paul. And um, for you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced, and this is the irony, the man who tried to destroy the church ended up becoming you know, the, the greatest pillar that really uh, ended up building the church. And I, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, be more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Glory to God. So uh, here Paul said, I was called by his grace. God, uh, God um, separated me from my mother's womb. Um, and it says, he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. And um, so a, 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 again, it was God who revealed Jesus to Paul. Because there are some things that only God can reveal to us. And this is why too many times we're looking, you know, to the world. We're looking to others for the answers. You know, many answers will only come from God. There's some things only God can reveal to us. But from the very beginning, Paul understood that he was called to serve. That's why when he, the Lord encountered him on the road, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen. So Paul understood that we only see Jesus as we serve him. And, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, I've seen missionaries come here to Ireland and do nothing more than sit in cafes, sipping, you know, overpriced uh, lattes while, while typing on their laptops, you know. People who have been here for years with little or no fruit. And, you know, uh, and, and uh, again, I've seen others come here and literally lay down their lives, invest their lives, been here for 15, 20 years, invest their lives in reaching the Irish people. And so you have have to ask yourself what makes the difference between fruitfulness and failure I believe it's service some come with a heart to serve others come you know some come to serve others come to holiday and and uh, this is the thing you know some are sent others just went 
I, I think it's so important that we all have a heart to serve because you know, ultimately God is the judge, and he, but, but this is the thing, the very least we should do is work hard for him because God does not bless lazy, self-centered people. And too many times we're giving God a half-hearted effort and asking him to bless it. No, God will only bless our best. And so if you believe you're anointed or called, you, know, you need to get off your blessed assurance and, and serve somewhere. You know, serve uh, with the homeless, uh, go on an outreach, win some souls, teach the kids. I was only talking to Sueli yesterday. We went for a walk with the teenagers and with a four-hour walk, so we had plenty of time to talk. But she was talking about how, you know, when she was in Brazil, she was working with the children and she had an opportunity to come to Ireland and she said to her pastor and he said, well, we really need you here because she said we didn't have many uh, workers in the children's ministry. I said, that's so funny because it's like that all around the world. And, um, you know, everybody wants to be up in the pulpit. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to lead worship, but nobody wants to work with the children. And they are the next generation. That'd be a good place to say amen. They're the next generation. We need to invest in the children. Amen. And so, anyway, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he was very wise. He said, you know what, I, I, I pray that, you know, we need you here, but I pray God's will be done. And, you know, she, she's been here for 15, 16 years now and been a blessing to this country. But, you know, every week she's in there with the children, ministering to them. So, again, uh, like I said, if you like what you see here, don't make a beeline for me after the service to list your qualities and uh, qualifications and abilities. Because, you know what, L let me say this, we're not looking for charisma, we're looking for character. Amen? And, and character cannot be found on a CV. Amen? All I would simply say to you is find somewhere where you can serve and do it with the right attitude and God will see it and he will promote you in his time. Because Psalm 75 says this, lift not your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion neither comes from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts it down one and set it up another. Amen. God is the one who promotes, not man. And, you know, I remember back in the day, in the earlier days of this church, I used to lead worship uh, every week in my black polyester suit with a starched uh, white shirt and tie. And I was doing my best. And I uh, looked like a Mormon, but I was doing my best. And, and you know, uh, we were good, or, or, or so I thought. And, you know, a, young la a, a, a lady with young kids joined the church, and, um, and, and she was just there for months, sitting there quietly and just you know, being a blessing. And uh, one Sunday she came up to me after the worship and she said, do you need help with the worship? And I asked, can you sing? And she said, well, I used to lead worship in Poland. And um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was funny because, you know, we had about 25 or 30 people in the church. We were technically insolvent. We had, uh, we had very few helpers. We had very few singers. We, we didn't have enough. And, and even then I was picky. And I, remember I, said, <laughs> I remember looking at her and said, um, okay. And uh, I remember just thinking in my head, I hope she doesn't drag us down. Because I thought we had a good thing going on back then. You know, <laughs> we had a girl on the bongos and they had Anya on the piano. And, and, and Joanna and myself were just, you know, doing our best for Jesus, making a joyful noise. But um, after a few weeks, I remember remarking to Joanna, I said, you know what, we sound really good lately. I wonder what it is. I really wonder what it, what it was, was that Lydia could actually sing. Um, so, you know, uh, lady just leading the worship there. But, you know, 
thank God for all those who, who, who serve in the worship and all who serve in all the various teams, whether it's media or, you know, we, we had people out there in the freezing cold today, even though it's, this is meant to be summer, but there you go. Um, uh, serving at the gate, uh, you know, uh, assigning people in, people serving in the children's ministry. You know, there's, there's so many different uh, ministries that people serve in, and I think it's so important that we, 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 we thank God for all those who serve because, you know, the reality is, uh, whether it's sound or any other ministry, uh, uh, without the people to serve, the service doesn't, doesn't happen. And you know, James 2.18 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Let me say this, if you are lit, then there will be some fire. Amen? If you're anointed, then there will be some fruit. And if you're called, then there will be some evidence. You know, by God's grace, you know, I can, as a pastor, I can point to many people that are the fruit of this ministry because we led them to Christ. And, you know, I say this in all, in, in, in all humility, if you will stick with this church for 12 months, don't be somebody who comes for a week or two and then just disappears like so many people do. But you know what? Stick with this church for 12 months. I believe your life will be changed forever. And I, 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 I say that with confidence. And I'm not saying that because I'm such a great preacher, but because Christ is such a great Savior. And, you know, when you go to a church where the word of God is preached without compromise, your life will change because the word of God will, it will take effect in your life. It mightn't be in the first week or month, but it will take effect. It will take hold. And so Philippians 2.7 says, Christ made himself of no reputation. He came as a servant. You know that word in the Greek is, um, uh, the normal word for servant is uh, diakinos, uh, which means servant, but the word used here is doulos, which means slave. So Christ came as a slave. And that's why he said, I'm among you as one who serves. And that's why we should never try to be the exception. We're only like him to the degree that we serve. Amen. And so again, God sees our heart. Jesus said in Luke 22, um, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one that sits at the table, uh, but not here? I'm among you as one who serves. So have you answered the call to serve? Because you will not see him if you do not serve him. And we will only, uh, uh, you know, we, will, we only serve him to the degree that we serve others to the degree that we love others, amen, and the world that he died for, amen. And, and so again, the question is this, are you serving Christ, or like so many others, are you serving self? Yeah, because we can dress it up and give all sorts of excuses and do all sorts of me mental gymnastics to uh, excuse and justify our behavior, but the question is this, ask yourself, am I serving Christ with all of my heart, or am I serving myself? Amen. It's like the, the person who once said, I was with uh, Billy or I was with Mary, and they were talking about their favorite subject, themselves. Um, so we only serve others, amen, to the degree, uh, you know, that we, we're willing to obey the word of God, amen. So we, we serve him as we serve others. Uh, Mother Teresa said this, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. You see, love is the currency of heaven. And if we love, we will serve. It is uh, an inescapable equation. Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. 
You see, we serve God with gladness, not sadness or madness, and there's no shortage of examples of both, but you know what? We serve him with gladness. That means if you're saved, tell your face, amen? If you're saved, put a smile on your face, because again, serving is a privilege, not some kind of onerous obligation. It's a privilege that we can serve him. We get to serve. Romans 1.9 in the New Century Version says, God, whom I serve with my whole heart. Thank you, Jesus. It says, day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart. Praise you, Jesus. So again, we must give God our very best. Amen? You know, Isaiah was given a picture. He was given a vision. He was given a glimpse of eternity. And he cried out, here am I, send me. Because when Isaiah saw the Lord, when he saw the glory of God's kingdom, amen, he he cried out, Lord, let me serve you. Uh, C.T. Studd, again, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You see, Isaiah understood that sacrifice was the only appropriate response to God's sacrifice. Or, or rather, service and, and sacrifice are one and the same. But in light of Christ's sacrifice, service is the only appropriate response. Again, C.T. Studd, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You see, Isaiah saw because he served, and he served because he saw. And we're talking about seeing Jesus. But you see, we cannot see Jesus without it affecting the way we live. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must go, uh, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. You see, there's a price to serving Jesus Christ as the ushers give out the elements. You know, John Wesley, I have tremendous admiration for him, but you know, he faced great opposition um, throughout Ireland and the UK, but particularly when he came here to Ireland, um, particularly in Cork, um, you know, he, he was often facing angry mobs. Many people don't know, but he spent over five years of his life ministering the gospel here in Ireland. Many English Methodists complained that he was wasting his time over here, that he was spending too much time in Ireland, but I believe he was investing in this nation. And, you know, I, I thank God that he had a heart for our, our, our people. You know, it's interesting reading his journal. He commented that Protestants in Ireland seemed to hate Christianity. That seems like a really strange statement. But he said that Protestants in Ireland seem to hate Christianity because let me say this, there's a huge difference between religion and revelation. You know, many of us went to church for years without ever having any revelation, any real understanding. We were going through the motions, but we didn't understand. And so, again, it's, it's ironic that uh, this is the harsh truth. I, I believe that many times, whether Christian, uh, whether Protestant or Catholic, you know, both have fallen far short of demonstrating Christianity to this nation, and particularly demonstrating the love of Christ to this nation. You know, sadly, many people have died in hopelessness, ignorance, and despair because they never heard and they never saw, more importantly, because it's not enough to hear. We have to show. We have to show Jesus. We have to show his love. 
And many people, like I said, died in ignorance because they never heard or saw the gospel demonstrated. And that's why I'm not a Catholic, not Protestant. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. That may offend you, but I'm not. I don't believe religion is the answer. I believe Jesus is the answer. Amen? And, and so, you know, this is the irony. You know, many times these Catholic peasants were, were, were listening to John Wesley at the crossroads as he was traveling, and he would talk to them about Christ and about eternity. And you know, the irony is this, in many instances, those who were attacking him were the Protestant landed gentry, both in Ireland and Great Britain. You know, it reminds me of how the Pharisees, after condemning Jesus Christ to death, in the Gospel of John, went to eat the Passover even though they were just after rejecting God's Passover. Because many times, it's our religiosity that blinds us to Christianity. So again, Jesus didn't say, I've come that you would have religion. He came that you would have life. You know, Acts 2.36, it says, Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You see, the message of Pentecost wasn't Pentecost. The message of Pentecost was Jesus. May your eyes once again be opened to Jesus. This same Jesus, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, This same Jesus, may our eyes as the church be opened to him. Because this is the thing, the disciples had seen him and now they wanted others to see him. Because again, it's only as we seek and as we study and as we serve that we will truly see Jesus for who he is. And so I'd like to finish the service today by quickly breaking bread. I know we've gone over time, but I believe this is important. You know, the story of the road to Emmaus, the disciples were discouraged. They were full of fear. Um, they had seen their, 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 um, uh, their Lord uh, crucified. Um, he died on, on the cross. It looked like the dream had died. And uh, suddenly Jesus walks along with them. And uh, they're talking with him. And uh, they didn't realize that it was Jesus. Uh, in Luke chapter 24. And so they're walking along with him. And it says, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near, verse 28, to the village where they were going. He indicated that they would have gone further, but they constrained him. Can I say this? We need to learn how to constrain the Lord. We need to learn how to reach out to him, to show him that we desire him, to not just you know, sit in church and just go through the motions. No, we need to come hungry. We need to come ready to worship. Amen. We shouldn't have somebody have to tell you to stand up or lift your hands or sing the song. Listen, we have to change. As the church, we have to change. And if we haven't learned after this abysmal period we've gone over over the last year where the church was closed for the best part of a year, I, I'm not sure will we ever learn. We need to change. We need to change how we come to church. We need to change how we worship. Because here the disciples says they constrained him. He was about to pass them by. And you know what? Many times I think as the church, the Lord passes right by. But because we're just scrolling or because we're distracted or because we're lazy or because we're in sin, he just goes straight past us. Don't miss the miracle of the moment. God is going to do something in your heart right now. It says they constrained him. And said, abide with us for this towards evening. Could you stand to your feet?
And the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. So it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? It says, then their eyes were opened. When? When he broke bread before them. And so today, for us, 2,000 years later, as we break bread, we pray that our eyes too will be open to the Lord Jesus, to see Him like we've never seen Him, to know Him like we've never known Him, to drop all preconceived ideas, our religious ideas of who He is, and say, Lord God, do in us what you want to do. And so today, Lord, as we take of the bread, we're reminded that your body was broken for us and that by your stripes, we were healed healed. So take the bread today and let's remember that healing is the children's bread. Lord, as we drink of the cup, we're reminded of the blood that you shed at the cross. Could we just sing that chorus for a moment at the cross? before we drink of the cup. We're just going to take a moment to reflect on the blood that was shed on our behalf at the cross. thank you for the blood that you shed for us at the cross and as we do this we remember we remember Lord we remember the blood that purchased us from hell we remember the sacrifice you made on our behalf and we thank you Lord God that no matter where we have failed or fallen that your grace is enough Lord your blood is enough Lord and we come to your table right now as we drink of the cup we receive forgiveness we receive freedom, Lord. We receive deliverance. We receive cleansing. And we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Amen.